How many of you would consider yourself a patient person? All right, about five of you. Okay, now I'm going to ask your spouse if that's true. If you were to, if you were to rate on a scale of one to ten, being, um, you know, one, like, I don't even have patience for the microwave. I have zero patience. Or ten, you could actually sit there and watch paint dry. You're just, you're calm. You're, uh, you, if you get in traffic, it's okay. Everything's going to be fine. If there's bad drivers, you're like, that's okay. Just go ahead of me. That's all right. Just be nice. I, I'll tell you, it was, it got a little ugly about 3:55 p.m. in our house yesterday. <laughs> Those of you could relate to that. Um, didn't have a lot of patience toward the end of the bills came, but they brought it through. They did it. Uh, and the wor- worst come to worst, my brother-in-law was with me, and he's a Ravens fan. So he's like, it's going to be fine. They're going to win. They're up 14-10. They got this. This game's over. And so we rolled around, choked each other. I mean, it got to be a whole thing. And our, it's like, you're not helping me. Not helping me. And it, as, we're, as we're navigating some messages through uh, this, this new year, um, this one... I think we really, we can struggle with if we're really honest with ourselves. How do we have patience when it, when it just, when things around us or maybe things, maybe even in our own personal life, uh, just don't seem like God is answering or it's like, I don't hear him or, you know, I've been praying for a family member. I've been praying maybe for my child for so many years, and I, and, I, and I say the same prayer over and over again for things to change, and I'm just not seeing something. Maybe you're praying for a job or, or for something different to happen in your life. Maybe it's a health issue, and you've just been praying, and it just there, there seems like there's no answer. And so you've been kind of just waiting and praying and wondering what, what's, what's, what's going on. And I, I want to reassure you today that it's in these times, I believe, that God speaks to us. God uses the times of waiting in our lives to do his most significant work. We have to understand this. If, if we're going to be students of the Bible, we have to read it. And we, and we have to understand what it says. And when we look at situations and people in the Bible, it's interesting how God allowed many people in the word of God, many leaders in the God, people that he used to go through times of waiting so that God could prepare them for what he had in store for them. And I believe it's during these times of waiting, if we allow God to speak to us and if we wait patiently on him, God can do his greatest work in our hearts and our lives. But it's difficult because we live in a very instantaneous world and we want to be in control and we're like, God, can I just help you out here a little bit to move, move this thing along? And I want, I want us to understand that through God's word, God does speak to us and is doing something even when we don't feel it or necessarily see it. So I want to answer some questions today. What is the correct way to navigate through times of waiting? And, and what do we do while we're waiting? And how can we make the most of our time of waiting? And this is, I'm telling you, this is going to be difficult, but I believe that God wants to speak to our hearts today because the Bible has a lot to say about those times of waiting and patiently waiting on the Lord. James chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, James talks about patience and endurance. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmer who patiently waits for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. He says, you too must be patient. 
And as you are patient, James encourages us to say, take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. We need to understand that God is sovereign and that God does have a plan. But it's so easy for us to get immersed in what we're seeing in our world, in our circumstances, our own personal circumstances, and we lose perspective that God is actually doing something that we don't have to fear. We don't have to allow anxiety to grip our hearts, knowing that God is in control. And James says this. He says, listen, the farmers get it. They get it. They know the rains are going to come in the fall and the spring that is going to produce a valuable harvest. He says, you too, wait. The Lord's return is near. Take courage as you wait. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. But take courage as you wait. Galatians, Paul writes, and he says, here's, here's the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He says, it's love, joy, peace, patience, thankfulness, goodness, kindness, kindness, kindness. Can we just be kind to one another, please? Kindness, right? Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. The word patience, the biblical definition of patience is long-suffering and enduring. Biblical patience is long-suffering and enduring. Patience shows us that we are relying on God's timing and not our own. Listen, people, I want to hear from God's word. I want to I know God. I want to make sure that as a church, and as a pastor of the ch- this church, we're listening to what you're saying. Not what everybody else is saying, but what are you saying? And I want us to be grounded in his word to understand this correctly, especially what we're going through today. Because if we're not careful, listen church, if we're not careful, these things could divide us. And that's not what God desires for his church. He wants to unite us through the precious blood of Jesus Christ that we may move forward and that we may be united as a church, praying for one another and allowing the spirit of Christ to lead us and to walk in accordance to his ways and his will, that the world will see who Jesus truly is. And Jesus even prayed this. He said, Father God, they, they will know, they will know. That they are my disciples by how they love one another. By how they love one another. So we need to be concentrated on God's word here. See, we understand here in New York, right? good old upstate New York, that we suffer through the winters, right? That's why we're so tough in upstate New York, right? We suffer through the winters because we know, we know spring is coming in July. We know it. It's going to be there. It's, it's coming. We, we, we know. So, so how do we correctly navigate through the waiting time? So I want to, there's a passage in the Old Testament from the prophet Habakkuk. And let me give you a little background. Habakkuk is just frustrated because he's seen everything that's going around him. And as God's prophet, he wants to speak. And he's wondering, God, what are you doing? What's your plan? Have you ever, I'm sure some of you like me have had that conversation with God. Like, God, what's going on? What's your plan here? What's your plan? I've been waiting. I've been waiting. And so Habakkuk is just, he's frustrated. He sees the immorality around him. He sees the backslidden state of, of his children, Israel. And he's wondering, God, what are you doing? And so Habakkuk asked this question of God. How long will you wait? What are you going to do for Israel? What is going to happen? What is the plan, God? 
And so what Habakkuk is doing, he's seeking, he's seeking uh, God's, he's seeing God's people slip further and further into rebellion, and so he's asking God these questions. He sees the moral decline around him, and it's difficult for him to live during these times. And it can get discouraging when we see what's going around us or things that are in our own personal lives that we don't see God answering quick enough. We've all had those times and those thoughts where we've asked God the same question, God, what is going on? What are you going to do? And when are you going to act? But I want us to see what it, this, this conversation that Habakkuk has with God. And I want to read for you Habakkuk's prayer to God and the answer that God gave him. And I am praying this will lead us down the right path as a church. That we will listen to this word. That we will allow the authority of God's word to lead us. My orange juice was expired this morning, so I have no idea what I'm going to say, okay? So I'm hyped up. So let, let's see what his word says. Listen, this is so good. Habakkuk 2, 1 through 4. It says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will, he will answer my complaint. And listen how the Lord responds. The Lord said to me, wait, my answer Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct. Everybody say correct. Boy, we need the correct message today. The correct message to others. This vision is for the future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. Now listen to how he responds to him. If it seems slow in coming, what does he tell him to do? Wait patiently, for it will surely take place and it will not be delayed. Now, he juxtaposes this to the proud who are ungodly, who do not rely on the Lord and his word and waiting patiently. He says, look at the proud. They trust in who? Themselves. And their lives are crooked. But the righteous, oh, I like this. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. We need to hear this word today. I want you to look at God's answer to Habakkuk. God tells Habakkuk that he does have a plan, but it will take some time in coming. It will take a long, long time. It will be slow in coming, but he said, trust in me. So God tells Habakkuk that he will fulfill his purpose. So what can we learn from Habakkuk's interaction with God? especially in the times of waiting, what are we to do? And there's some great things that we can see within this passage that we are to do. And one of the things that God tells Habakkuk to do, he says, we are to wait patiently. We are to wait patiently, long-suffering, enduring, trusting the Lord through it all. God tells Habakkuk, even though it will be slow in coming, wait patiently. There's this interesting dialogue that Job has with God. We understand the the story of Job where he loses everything and God trusts Job that he says he will still serve me even though he has nothing. And there's this interesting dialogue during the, the, the time of Job's suffering that he has with God. Oh, this is so good because what Job does is he has this dialogue, he's suffering, but then he reminds himself of who God is and his faithfulness during the time of waiting and waiting patiently on the Lord to, to, to um, help him, to rescue him. 
Job 23, 8 and 10 says this. Job, being honest, and I love this, Job says, if I go to the east, he's not there. If I go to the west, I don't find him. When he's at work in the north, I don't see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. Have you ever felt that way? I've gone here, I've gone there, and I, I've been waiting. I just don't sense him. I don't see there's a, he's being He's being completely honest and raw with the Lord that during his time of waiting and suffering, he just did not feel God. But this is what he does in his time of waiting, in his time of suffering. Listen to what he says. This is so good. He says in verse 10, but he knows the way I take, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. You see, what Job understood was this, that during this waiting time, God was doing a work in his heart, that God didn't lose track of him, even though he didn't sense God. He went north, south, east, and and west. He knew that God was doing a work in him, and he could trust him, and he knew, listen, Job knew that the end result was that he would come forth as gold. So he trusted the the process, right, Bill's fans? He trusted the process. He knew that God was going to work through time's of testing. He knew that was going to be the best and greatest way that he could work in Job's heart and in our lives. But Job said, listen, even though I may have lost track of you, I know you haven't lost track of me, and I know that during this time of testing, during this time of waiting, I know eventually I'm going to come forth as gold. And the process of refining gold is to take the dross out, to take the impurities out. Job had enough faith to trust God and know that he was working his best in him. That he was working those things out of his life. Listen, parents, you understand, if you gave your kids everything they wanted the minute they asked it, what would you end up with? A spoiled brat, right? Right? Sometimes I'm a spoiled brat with the Lord, aren't we? I'm gonna, I'll say it, I'll point at myself. Like, God, I want it now. Why aren't you doing it now? Why are you doing it this way? How come it's all right? And God says, let me allow you to go through this. It's during times of waiting that I'm going to do my deepest work. If we don't remind ourselves of that, we're going to get immersed in our anxiety and, and our doubt, and we're going, to, we're going to lose it. That's why we've got to come back to God's word and who Christ is and what he accomplished for us and how he conquered sin and the grave and it sits at the right hand of the Father fully in control. I've got to keep looking at that. Otherwise, I'm just going to continue to get discouraged or my Christian walk is going to be up and down, up and down, up and down. So in so many words, Job is saying, I don't see God working or I don't understand the plan at the moment. But I love the response of Job to his uncertainty. It's okay to admit that I may not know what's completely going on. Maybe I think I should know, but I'm not sure. Job declares that God does know his ways, and when God had tested him, he will come forth as gold, waiting on God and allowing God to do a deeper work. Now, I must trust God that he knows what he's doing. And it takes discipline, and it takes an act of my will to trust him to do that. So if I'm not trusting God, I don't believe in his character, that he's a faithful God, that I'm going to turn to these other things to discourage me and to cause me to lose my way. 
See, Job admits that he doesn't always know what he's doing, but God does understand where I am, and I don't know about you, but that's comforting to me. There's going to be times in my life that I don't necessarily feel God, or what are you doing here, God? Or there may be disappointments in your life where you feel like God has disappointed you, but isn't it wonderful and comforting to remind yourself that God hadn't lost track of me? That he will never leave us or forsake us, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. God never leaves us. And this is where we can trust him because he's faithful. He proved himself to be faithful and he proves himself over and over and over again. And so he tells Habakkuk, listen, wait patiently. Endure, endure, be faithful, don't give up. Knowing that I'm going to do a work. Now here's the second thing I want you to do. This is really interesting. Um, Habakkuk also gets a different perspective. So we are to wait perspectively. And what do I mean by that? This, this I believe, is, is one area that, we're, that we might be struggling with today is to get a different perspective. Notice what Habakkuk says in verse 1. He says, I will go to the watchtower. Now, a watchtower is, gives you kind of heads up on, on what's coming into town. And so you need to get... Now, towns, in ancient times, towns had walls to protect them from the enemy. And so Habakkuk knew that if he's standing within the walls of his town, he can't see anything but the wall in front of him, the stone wall in front of him. He knew that he had to go to a higher place in order to get a correct perspective. I'm going to start preaching now, so just hold on. So follow me here. This is where I think we can get lost. We spend so much of our time, it's behind the walls of our uncertainty and our doubt and our fears that we can't see past the brick wall. We miss what God is ultimately doing. We miss that God is ultimately in control. Now, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I love flying in a plane and looking out the window. I'm one of those little kids that love looking out the window. Where are we now? Where are we flying over now? You know, I love getting that different perspective when you fly. And um, so, you know, if, if I'm in the middle row or if I'm in the aisle row and then I got the idiot in the, uh, in the window seat that shuts the window, just shuts the curtain, I'm like, come on. So, you know, I want to see what's going on. You know, I love to, especially if the plane starts going a little crazy, you're going, what, is the wing still on there? What's going on here, right? So I love looking out the, I love looking out the window when you get up and you fly over the finger lakes. Oh, there's Cuca Lake. There's Canandaigua. You know, it's really... The person next to me is like, yeah, I've seen this a million times. Get back in your seat. Get off my lap. So anyways, you know, <laughs> I enjoy it. And I used to love it when pilots used to tell you where you were. Remember those days? Like you'd be there and the, the pilot would come on and, hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are now flying. If you're sitting on the left of the plane, we are now flying over the Smoky Mountains. If you'd like to look out your window. And I said, I have a question. I got the idiot in the window that won't open up his window. Can you do something about that? Um, so I would look at, you know, and I remember one time we, we were flying, I was a teenager, we flew out to California for a missions trip, and we were flying over the Grand Canyon. I've never been to the Grand Canyon, never saw the Grand Canyon. So I was excited. The pilot comes over and goes, we are now flying over the Grand Canyon. If you're on the right side of the plane, look out the window. So I happen to be in the window seat, so I look out, and I look down 30,000 feet up, and you know what? It looked like a big hole in the ground. It didn't look that great from 30,000 feet up, but it was the Grand Canyon. It was cool. And I'm looking at the person next to me who I have no idea, look at the Grand Canyon. Look at the Grand Canyon. Isn't it wonderful? Look at it. Right? I love it. It gives you a different perspective. 
when you climb up a mountain in the Adirondacks and you're in the woods the whole time, then you get to the top and you get that view. Our family climbed up Blue Mountain one time. There's a fire tower at the, at the top. You get a 360 view. You see the high peaks. Come on, isn't that wonderful? Am I the only one here? Am I just, who am I talking? No, that's okay. You know, I love that. I love getting that different perspective. And so here's what Jesus does for us. Jesus gives us a different perspective when it comes to the difficult things in our lives. He doesn't paint this rosy picture that everything's going to be hunky-dory and potpourri. Right? He, doesn't, he doesn't do that. He, he honestly tells us that, listen, there's going to be difficulties in this world, but I don't want you to be behind the wall of the city looking at the wall. I want you to get up on the watchtower and allow me to show you something different for your lives that will give you hope. Not a false sense of hope. Not like just bury your head in the sand and not realize that we're going through difficult times. How many know when you go through difficult times, it stinks? It's not fun. So he's, Jesus isn't trying to fake us out here and say the difficult things aren't difficult. They are difficult. But he says, let me give you a different perspective to bring hope into your heart and not allow yourselves to sit behind the brick wall, the stone wall, and get so immersed in uncertainty and fear and anxiety. So what Jesus does, he gives us a different perspective. So you're wondering why I brought this ladder, didn't you? I'm not painting, that's for sure, because I don't know how to paint. But here we go. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus says, listen, you've got to get a different perspective. I love John 16.33. What does he say? He says, I want to give you my peace. I want to give you my peace, but here on earth, what? You're going to have what? You're going to have trials and what? Sorrows. That's the realistic thing. There's going to be times you're going to have trials and sorrows. But what does he say? He says, take heart. I'm not getting on the top, so don't worry, Mom. All right, I'm not getting on the top. It says, it says listen. He says, you will have trials and sorrows, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Jesus says, listen, I want to take you up beyond those things that you're immersed with above the city wall and allow you to see that I want to give you my peace. I want to give you a different perspective because I've overcome all these things for you. Do we believe as the church of Jesus Christ that Jesus conquered the grave? Why do we come together weekly? Why did the early church meet together on Sunday morning? What was the purpose? To celebrate the resurrection. It gave hope. Jesus says, even though you die, you will live. Don't let your heart, I'm going to keep preaching right from here. This is good. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? Don't let your hearts be troubled. For in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I'd have told you. But what do you say? You trust in me. Trust in my Father. For in my Father's house are many rooms. He was giving his disciples a different perspective. He was lifting them up around the turmoil around them, worried that Jesus was leaving them and he was going to abandon them and Jesus takes them to a higher place. He took them to a watchtower to look out and say, no, I've overcome this world. Don't fear, don't have anxiety of what is going on around you. I will give you peace. I will walk with you through the times of your trial and your sorrow and your uncertainty. Jesus gives us a different perspective to see past our present trials and understand they will not last forever. Paul says they're just minuscule. They're temporary in comparison 
to heaven and what is waiting for those who trust Christ Jesus. Amen? Does that mean we're still going to go through trials? Absolutely. Does that mean there's still going to be sorrows? Does that mean there's going to be times we don't understand what God is doing? Absolutely. But we're going to trust what? We're going to trust that God knows what he is doing and that he's working through all those things. And we have to trust his word through it. So the reason being is Christ has overcome this world and all its problems for you and I. And so what Habakkuk did, he went to his watchtower and he sought the Lord to get a different perspective. And so when you feel that anxiety and the turmoil of this world overcoming your soul and your heart, we've got to turn to Christ and get a different perspective saying, Jesus, you're going to walk me through this. You walked with me through the thing two weeks ago, four months ago, five years ago, 15 years ago. You're going to walk with us through this also. Amen? Amen? So here's the last thing He's, we're, we see in Habakkuk in this conversation with God. And this is the hard one. This is the hard one. We are to wait faithfully. We are to wait faithfully. God answers Habakkuk in verse 4 by saying the righteous shall live by faith. And what faith is, is is just completely trusting God's way. In fact, Paul quotes this uh, very thing in Romans chapter 1, because we understand that salvation can only come through God's grace through faith. My salvation comes only through Christ Jesus and my faith in him. It's through Jesus that I can find patience, that I can trust him, I can cast all my cares upon him because he cares for us. Jesus endured all things for us. He bore the cross for us. He patiently waited on God for you and I so we can trust him. Knowing that Jesus accomplished all this for us, we can in return wait patiently knowing that he's working on our behalf. So where are you today? What is the thing that's overwhelming your heart? Maybe it's that unanswered prayer that you've been praying for for a long time. Maybe it's things that are going on in our world today that are overwhelming your heart. Where are you today? What thing are you behind that wall of the city and that's all you see is that stone wall? Where are you today? I want to encourage you today. Just as God encouraged Habakkuk, he said, wait patiently, endure. Make sure you get a different perspective and wait faithfully. The Christian walk is not an easy walk. It is a walk of faith. It is a walk of trusting him. But what comes with it is a joy and a peace we could never have, even if we say, well, these things are going to resolve themselves. Because you know what? Everything could, quote, unquote, resolve themselves. There's going to be problems next year and the year after, right? There's going to be another thing coming our way. There's going to be it Because we live in this world. We live in Hallelujah. We live in a broken world. It's broken because of sin. And Jesus says, that's why I came, to redeem you. And one day Jesus will restore all those things. That's the promise he gives us as believers. So where are you today? Where have you lost patience? You may say, I may not know what God is doing, but I want you to remind yourself that God has not lost track of me. And remind yourself that even in the waiting, God is doing his biggest work in you, even though you may not see it. Um, when I was a teenager, I was uh, able to work at Eastman Kodak for a couple years as college help. And my dad worked there at the same time. 
And one day my dad said, hey, Barden, since you're working in Kodak, you can, kind of, you can come and see where I work. I'm like, oh, cool. I'll take Kodak had a bus that would run through the park. And so I went over there during lunchtime to meet, meet my dad. And he was going to show me where he worked. Now, he worked in the, like dark, like dark rooms. And you couldn't see a thing. So I, I come from like outside, July, bright. And I walk in and my dad's like, let me take you through where I work. So I'm like, okay, cool. Take me. So he goes, just grab my arm. I'm like, okay, I'll grab your arm. He takes me in there. I couldn't see a thing. And all my dad said, he kept, when he was walking through the hallways and where people were doing their work, he kept saying, watch out, watch out. I'm like, why are you saying watch out? He goes, because you could bang into somebody because it's so dark. I mean, you can wave your hand in front. I mean, it was dark. So I'm walking through this with my dad, just trusting him. He's not going to lead me astray because I love my dad. I trust him. So he's walking me through this. And we get out after five minutes and he's like, wasn't that cool? These are all the things we do. And I'm like, dad, I don't, I didn't see a thing. <laughs> I, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure it's wonderful. You're making film, whatever it was. You could, you know, you could be making tiddlywinks back here. I don't know. You could be making Legos. I have no idea what you're doing back here, but I'm sure I trust you. Here, here's the thing I want, I want you to know. Even though I didn't see what was going on in there, my dad knew. He said, take my arm and trust me. You see, for some of you here today, that's the hard part. God, can I trust you? Can I trust you? Can I take your arm and trust you to allow you to walk with me and to lead me even though it doesn't make sense? And that's exactly what Job had to do. When he said, God, east, west, north, I don't know, but I know that you know me. And I know that when you test me, I will come forth as gold. See, I don't know what you're struggling with today. I don't know what you're dealing with today. But some of you, you've, you, you, you let go somewhere along the a line and allowed all these peripheral things to take control of your heart, to take control of your mind, to allow anxiety and fear to come in. We need to come back to Christ and allow him to lead us and to trust him and be the gospel-centered people that he's calling us to be to trust him through all of this, knowing that God is in control. He's in control of our nation. He's in control of your personal lives. God is sovereign. And the only thing I can tell you this morning is he's good. And that for those that are called according to his purpose and that love him, God works all things according to his good and his purpose. And I have to trust him with that. Even though I may not see it or I don't know what he's doing at times, I've got to trust him with it. And what Jesus says is through all those times of sorrow or trials that you may go through, I'm going to give you my peace and I'm going to walk with you through it. So you better grab my arm and allow me to lead you through all of this. Can I just say one thing? Because at the end of the day, if all I have is Jesus, that's okay with me. If all we have is Jesus at the end of the day, that's okay with me. May we remain patient May we have a different perspective and may we be faithful to continue to follow him and listen to Jesus and walk in his spirit, walk in his love and allow his desires to be our desires, to allow his will to be our will and to allow him to unite us as a church so we will be a witness and a testimony to this world of who Jesus truly is. That's my prayer for our church and for you. Amen. So I want to pray for you today. We're going to
I love this last song we're going to sing. Uh, it's about taking courage and, and waiting on the Lord. But I want to pray for you today and, and ask God just to unify us as a church to help you in the struggles that you may be going through today that God is faithful. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your hearts with me and allow God to just, just take control? Father God, we, we lay our hearts before you today. We thank you, Lord, that we can take your arm, that we can take your hand, and you're going to lead us. Even when it doesn't make sense, even that we may not know all the plans, Lord, we lift all these things up to you. Lift our hearts up to you. We lift our nation up to you. Lord, we need you. We need Jesus. He's the answer. And Jesus, you came into this world on a mission to seek and save that which was lost. By no other means can we be saved but through Christ. And I pray, Lord, that we would cling to him, that we would wait patiently, that we would have a different perspective knowing that Christ wants us to see beyond these things in this world and not allow it to hinder us from doing the work that you called us to do. And Lord, we would wait faithfully, not turn away from you, not to the left or the right, but we would remain faithful even when it doesn't make sense, knowing that you're still working on our behalf. So may we be called a faithful people as we serve a faithful God who is always true. We love you, we thank you, and I'm so thankful for your word. God, I can't do it without your word. I thank you that it leads us in all ways. We love you, we thank you. And as we just sing this in closing today, I pray that you would just, may you just speak to our hearts about your faithfulness and your goodness, even when we're waiting. We love you because you're a faithful God and you're true. And we just ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Let's just sing this in closing. I hope this speaks to your heart today. God bless you.